Hello once again and welcome to The Master's Voice. This is Celestial and you're welcome to my channel. To all new subscribers, you're very welcome. You can find more about this ministry in the description box below. And to everybody who's been faithfully with me on the blog so far, it's always great to have you back. Today I'm continuing with the prophecies about the nation of Russia and we will soon be moving into new territory where we'll examine in-depth attributes about Russia and also about China that the Lord has revealed to me by the spirit of revelation because I've, I've never been to these places, but the Lord showed me um, very particular attributes even about the leaders, about the heart of the people and how hard they work, how diligent they are. Um, there was a very short vision that the Lord gave me that I never actually put up on the blog because it was so short, but it just, it, it was grainy. It was kind of grainy, sepia toned, something like that. And I saw Russia during an era and the word that came to me is a word I actually remember from high school and it's the word perestroika, perestroika, something like that. And it refers to an age, I think, in Mikhail um, Gorbachev's reign. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I think it refers to that time. And Russia went through a lot of hardship prior to that. And her perestroika era wasn't easy for her. And what I saw in the vision is I saw people lined up in the snow to get bread. So they were waiting to get bread and they were lined up in the snow and it, it was snowing brothers and sisters. It wasn't a, a case where it had snowed and the snow was just on the ground. It was snowing and these people were waiting in line for food. But what the Holy Spirit was showing me is how patient they were. They were not complaining. Not a single person in the line was murmuring. Not a single person in the line was impatient. They were very thickly bundled up and snow was falling. And there was just this, there was no discontent or anger. They, you got the impression looking at them. It was just a short snippet of a vision, but you got the impression looking at them that they would wait patiently for that bread forever. And when I came out of that vision, I was just so, I was just so amazed because if you go to Walmart here and the cashier has a line of 10 people and the cashier makes a mistake with anybody's groceries, or if a certain person gets groceries and then find that their card is not working or they don't have enough money, it is a scene. People act as if the kidney that they are supposed to get, you know, uh, the kidney donor who's waiting for them to give them a kidney has just called them and told them, if you're not here in the next five minutes, Bob, you know, I'm giving this kidney to someone else. People get so impatient. They get so angry. They get so ugly. And watching people standing in this kind of hardship, standing in actively falling snow, heavy snow. I think Russia gets a lot more snow than we do even here in, in the East Coast. Uh, watching them standing there patiently to get what they needed, um, it was a real contrast, you know. And so one of the things that um, we will be looking at as these videos continue is just perhaps a, a deeper look 
at the type of people that the Lord says will be coming here. I have a prophecy today. It's entitled Enemy at the Gates. And that's the prophecy we will look at in a few minutes. But first, I have a word from the Lord. Before I make these videos, I always inquire of the Lord, Father, what do you want me to say? Is there anything that you want me to share? And sometimes he will not say that there's anything. I just read the prophecy and expound upon it. And then we go off. But today the Lord said, tell them to repent. Tell them that sin lies heavy upon the land and they must repent. They do not understand the importance of repentance. There is nothing that can cleanse and remove human sin except the blood of my son, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, in my experience dealing with people, I deal with people on a daily basis, sometimes 10 people in a day, sometimes more. And one thing that I have found is among Christians, we do not like being told that we should repent. People actually hate the word repentance. And here's why. When you tell somebody that you they need to repent, there's an automatic connotation that you have fallen short of one of God's laws. Hearing that you need to repent means that you have obviously failed at something that God wanted you to carry out, something that God has prescribed in his law to be obeyed. And now you're hearing that you have fallen short of that and it constantly angers people. It upsets them. They feel judged. They feel very offended. They get angry and um, they lash out and they say, who are you to judge me? And who made you God's policeman? And just basically, I've heard a lot of stuff. Um, so repentance is not uh, really a fun word. But brothers and sisters, this is what I've understood from the word of God. And this is what I personally believe. Repentance is a privilege. If the Lord loves you enough not to strike you as he used to strike people in the Old Testament for sin, just bam, you sin, you're done. They're stoning you or the ground is opening up to swallow you or something equally painful is happening. The whale swallowed Jonah and Korah and all his family and possessions fell into the sea, in, into, the, into the earth. The earth opened up and swallowed them. And Achan and all his family members were stoned to death by the company of Israel for the sin that they committed when the nation was in transition. If God loves you enough to bring you a word or to bring you a caution through someone, if God has moved that person, God has opened that person's eyes to see that there is sin in your life and they speak to you and you are offended and you will not humble yourself and you are proud and you think, I have no sin, how dare they? Then you are already treading on dangerous ground. The Bible says, humble yourself under the almighty hand of God, repent, and then resist the devil. If you don't repent, you cannot resist Satan. You will not have any strength to resist Satan. You will not have any standing to resist Satan. You won't be in a position to tell the devil anything because your armor is torn and there's a stain upon you. So I'm going to read from... 2 Corinthians chapter 7, just a few verses, and then I will go to the prophecy. Verse 8. 
For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a little while. But now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. For observe in this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication, in all things you proved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So this is a picture of the pattern that repentance has to follow. As I said, repentance is not a pretty word in the Christian community, but I think that this is because pastors have preached the process of sin as, as something that's not so bad. You know, there's this, um, there's this whole understanding in, in modern Christianity today of, oh, God loves you just as you are, come as you are. But brothers and sisters, it is good to get the whole counsel of God. Indeed, we should come to God as we are, but God is not intending for us to stay as we are. God is a very active God and his entire model is to shape us, to clean us, and to make us in, into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So we have to be open. We have to be willing to allow the spirit of God to work with us, purify us, and make us into God's image. And that includes repentance. The very gift of salvation that we have came from repenting. If you do not repent of your sins, you cannot be born again. If you refuse to repent of your sins, you're saying, I haven't done anything wrong. I've never violated the laws of God. I'm guilty of nothing. I have no need of a Lord. I have no need of a savior. And I definitely don't need to tell some guy in a sky dress, sorry. I have heard a lot of things in my tenure as a Christian. And some people feel that they're guilty of nothing and they don't need to repent. When you correct them, they won't accept it. They won't agree and they, they're, they're hard-hearted. Sometimes that hard-heartedness is just the fruit of being blind. The enemy blinds people to their sin. The enemy tells them, oh, this isn't really so bad. The enemy tells them everybody has a struggle. And basically Satan keeps us in those lies because Satan is very much vested to us dying in our sin. Anyone who dies in their sin will be eternally separated from the heavenly father. You will not enter into the courts of heaven. You will have no communion with the Godhead. You will be cut off. You will be cast into eternal damnation. You will end up in the lake of fire. Whoever refuses the gift, actually the mercy of repentance, that is what is going to happen to them. So Apostle Paul is saying here that there's a difference between true repentance, which comes from accepting and admitting sin, and repentance that is just sorrow for a little while. When you are caught in a sin, you feel several things at once. You feel embarrassed. You feel ashamed. You feel angry. You feel offended at the one who caught you or maybe offended at yourself for being caught in that position, you feel sad and you feel victimhood. 
but none of those things are repentance. All those things are just a plethora of human emotions that will boil in you and better believe it, Satan is a master at jumping into that boiling pot of emotions to see what he can stir up to keep you away from genuine repentance. We are gathering all over the nation to pray for this nation, but are we, are we really repenting of personal sin? Are we saying, I put away this filthy habit from my life? I can't deny it anymore. I'm caught in the snare of the fowler. I do this. I do that. It is time that I took this weakness to God and I cut its throat at the altar of God. It is time that I sacrificed my desire for this sin and said, God, cleanse me of this sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Forgive me and give me a new start. Are we really doing that? Because if we are not doing that, brothers and sisters, we can attend all these breakout revivals that I see on Facebook. People are at the ocean going, Team Jesus! Everybody's crying. People are getting dunked in the ocean. These things are great. But if you do not stay away from sin, you do not have the godly sorrow that leads to repentance, and you do not have the repentance that leads to salvation. Your Christianity is nothing more than a facade. Repentance is the heart and soul of this gospel. Why? Because every one of us is, sin is um, sinful. Only Jesus is holy. Only Jesus is righteous. Only Jesus is without sin. That is one of the reasons and one of the clearest ways you can see that Jesus is Lord. He never have to, had to repent. He was born perfect and he never committed any sin. We were born dead and we only came to life when we repented of sin and we received the life that is the light of man. And that is the life of Christ that God has given each and every one of us. So now we will go to the prophecy. This prophecy today is entitled Enemy at the Gates. I received this prophecy as part of a series that the Lord gave me um, on the 9th of December, and I finally posted them on December 17th and 18th. So I'm going to read the scripture, and it goes, The burden of Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos did see. Lift up a banner on the high mountain. Exalt the voice of them. Shake the hand that they may enter into the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger, even those that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude upon the mountains, like of a great people, a tumultuous noise of kingdoms of nations gathered together, the Lord of hosts summons the hosts to battle. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven. Even the Lord calls these weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Howl, all of you, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will be faint and every man's heart will melt. So, the scripture is talking about judgment that the Lord will bring upon America as he did to Babylon. 
Now, Babylon was a nation that was just known for her party lifestyle. She drank hard. She partied hard. She had orgies hard. She conquered hard. She went to war hard. Everything that she did was a full metal jacket. It was just a full throttle nation, you know, that had no love for God. And so when Babylon drove God to the point where he couldn't stand it anymore, God said that he would bring a foreign army against them and he would incite that army to march against them. To incite something means that you trigger it. You know, you provoke something until you finally get the reaction that you want out of it. And it's usually a violent reaction. So God gave me the scripture because he said that when foreign invasion comes to the United States, it will be so hard. It will be so sudden that people will actually tremble and even strong men will bow down as if they are in the midst of labor pains. That's how shocking, that's how scary it will be. So here are some of the words that the Lord gave me as the prophecy. Enemy at the gates. This is a famous phrase. Enemy at the gates means an imminent invasion. When the enemy is at your gate, there's no more time to prepare or hide. They come from a far nation under the heavens. With brass boots and a swift pace, they approach. With cunning and skill, they come closer until suddenly their presence is revealed. So this is, I hope that we're picking up themes in these prophecies. One of the things that the Lord says is that Russia will just suddenly be here. Now, part of it is that it will be a sudden invasion. We will just see one day people parachuting out of the skies, see one day ships emerging out of the fog, you know, aircraft carriers or whatever it is that we use in modern warfare nowadays. But the Lord has also particularly said that there are people here. Um, I, I continue to see this and I continue to say it. Many of the prophecies carry this theme of a hidden Russian presence here. Twofold hidden. Some of them are hidden in a manner where you just don't know where they are. So they might be, um, I think uh, I have one prophetic word. I think it's called the fall of America the Great where the Lord revealed that they are hiding in the mountains, um, Rocky Mountains, Appalachians, those were the mountains I think I wrote. I received that prophecy in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, but yes. So there's the element of, of hidden presence, but then there's another more insidious hidden, and that hidden is hidden in plain sight. I read that in one of the prophecies, I think it's north or out of the north, where the Lord spoke of a Russian presence that's here, that's all American. So you can't actually tell that they're Russians. They sound American, they look American, they might even be born American, but they're 100% Mother Russia. They have not changed their nationality in their heart. They may have changed it outwardly. They may have taken uh, citizenship. They may have given birth to even generation generations of American-looking kids, but they are 100% faithful to Russia, 100% affiliated with Russia. And at the time of this invasion, you will see an uncovering, so to speak. People will reveal their true colors, and this will be heartbreaking and shocking for the United States. 
So again, the Lord asks here, are your gates well watched? Are your borders secure? Are they closed up against the coming evasion? Are you sure they are shut? Are you safely shut up against nations that are swifter and stronger than you in warfare? Do you know China and Russia possess weapons that can destroy you from impossibly long ranges without even getting themselves hurt by your return fire? Now, I don't know if this refers to guns or to missiles, you know. Um, here is another thing that was in part of another prophecy. Do you know your enemy is sitting in the water around the edges of your borders, intercepting your messages and listening to you? Do you know they fly over your airspace undetected even now? If you are in the military, you ought to know this. If you are in the special forces, you ought to know this. So this was carried again that Russia is listening from the water or they will be listening from the water and that they can also crack codes and listen in and they can also fly over the airspace undetected by radar or whatever it is that detects um, aircraft and they can do this without being detected. The Lord says that the nation is doomed. She is doomed and destroyed and yet she lives. Hear the Lord. Dead man walking, doomed and destroyed, yet she lives. The Lord says that China and Russia are spying on you, America, in ways you cannot detect. You cannot find their Trojan horses. You cannot find their highways and viruses into your computer systems. Whatever you find are the amateur toy games that have been planted deliberately knowing that you will find them. These are detectables to trick you and make you feel that you're also a top player in the espionage game. But I tell you what you're finding in the computer world. What you're finding is a joke compared to what you cannot detect. There are Trojan horses in the system inserted by your own people that give the enemy insights and inroads into your bank accounts, medical histories, financial systems, and public records. All the faces of America are tagged in international systems. Your faces and data are logged in their system. They have their own form of Interpol on you. Your identities, credit card numbers have been freely given in other software and on a bigger scale, public records are being transferred in huge data dumps taking place between your own leaders and their counterparts on enemy soil. This is another interesting aspect that many of these prophecies contain, which is that people in high places are actually working for the opposition. People in high places are giving away sensitive information. They're sharing information that they should not. They're selling it. Some of them are just hateful in their hearts and they're doing it so that the nation will be torn down and brought down at another time. And um, the Lord has said that there is one picture here. I'm going to end here and you can read um, the rest of the prophecy on the blog. There was, a, there was a vision that was given to me as I was writing this prophecy down. And basically I saw a man in bed. He was sleeping, he was sound asleep 
and this man depicted the United States. So he was unaware that there was danger approaching. He was unaware, in fact, that his home had been breached and that a soldier completely dressed from head to foot in black SWAT face was covered um, with either those sock thingies. You know, you pull the sock up. It looks exactly like the face masks that we wear now or um, a visor was over his face and this man was incredibly light-footed. The soldier, you know, he moved like a, a total pro through the house until he found the bedroom and he entered where the sleeping man was and he poised himself with the rifle at the edge of the man's bed and um, he just stood there. He just stood there and he was standing there and I was looking at him and um, he didn't move. He did not move. He just positioned his rifle at the man and he stood there. And the impression that was given was, I won't even bother to poke you with the barrel of my gun. I have the power to. I could easily poke you and make you aware of my presence. But I've got you where I want you. And I'm just going to watch you. Because I know the day is coming. I know the moment is coming when, like everyone else, you'll roll over in bed and you'll see me. And that's exactly what happened. The man was sleeping and um, I said he stands by the sleeping man with his gun and rifle scope pointed right at his face. But he does not touch him. The soldier holds the pose above this man for ages. He could wake him up, but he wants him to wake up naturally. He wants this man's last moments to contain the realization that this messenger of death has been standing above him all along, minutes, hours, with his life in his hands, yet all along he was sleeping, believing he was home alone and his house was locked up safely. This man finally turns in his sleep, right? He's enjoying his sleep and he turns in his sleep and his so shoulder pokes the barrel of the weapon. It's because he pokes his shoulder that he actually turns around and sits up and sees that there is a dressed, poised, fully weaponized soldier in black with a face visor and a gun pointed directly at his face. At this point, the sleeping man's eyes widen, his throat closes up, and the vision is taken away. Enemy at the gates, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So I am your sister in Christ, Celestial. This is the word of the Lord that I have been given. I am sharing these prophecies. I am sharing God's heart. God is not trying to scare this nation, but God is harshly warning this nation that there will be a penalty, a very strong, a very swift, and a very sudden penalty for her crimes. Her judgment will not be turned back. What remains now is a search and rescue mission. Search and rescue how? You need to search your heart and you need to rescue every single person that you know by telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to search your heart and rescue yourself by practicing very, very deep-rooted personal repentance. 
We should be engaging in repentance every day. There are a million ways that we transgress the law of God and we do not even know it. So may each one who hears this honor and obey the Lord, get on your knees, repent. If you're not born again, give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're in a state that is still open where you can get a church or in a nation where you are still allowed to congregate as a church, I advise you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit or ask the other Christians. There's always a Christian in everybody's life. There is always a Christian somewhere. Ask where you can find a church and begin to go and let the Lord begin to lead, shape, and guide your life. We are in the end times. You do not want to do this alone. So please check the description box below for all the information where you can find this prophecy Thank you for being a blessing. Thank you for visiting. Thank you for the support for this channel. Please subscribe. Please share the videos. God bless you. And I will be back with another video as soon as I can. Take care.